Hey everybody, this is Atkins. And this is Adam. We're welcoming you to another episode of the Almighty Podcast. We are on episode 128 of the Almighty Podcast, covering episodes 137 and 138 of the hit anime, My Hero Academia. Yeah, and this is actually the last two episodes of season six, and we promise you that in this episode we won't spend thirty minutes of your time talking about our personal lives. We'll get right into my hero. <laughs> That's right. We, we 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 did the mullet episode where it was like all business. We'll we'll get into like contest winners and st- or contest. It's a giveaway. I I stopped using the word contest on Twitter um, because people like search for that. Yeah, it's or, like you, get, or you no. get folks that don't even like like listen or anything. They just want to try to win stuff. Yeah, giveaway is the term that I stopped using because people are just like, oh, free. And then they submit stuff. So I avoided that language. And so we've got a pure pool of folks that um, ex- actually, actually is like, uh, yeah, I guess, spoiler to folks that are actually entered exclusively from the Discord. Oh, um, wow. Yeah, no Twitter entries whatsoever, which is fine. Wow. It's, it's mind boggling. We have thousands of listeners and we like there's just this small handful of people from discord that were like hey i'll take that free stuff um <laughs> that is funny so, yeah yeah anyway that'll be at the end uh in in the in between now and uh spinning that fancy wheel and determining who our winner is we're going to cover uh the last two episodes of season six it's a it's a bittersweet moment right because season six has been amazing and uh, more than it being bittersweet, it's like a little like nerve wracking because <laughs> like even before Adam and I started recording, we're like, so uh, where where do we go from here exactly? And, and yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we have about like another four episodes or five episodes of the AMP. So another like two months of content mapped out and then we'll just. We'll just Socks see. And ties, baby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or or everybody can go join us with on Kyo Cinema, right? That's right, man. I would love. I can't wait to pick that back up. Um, I, I've I I was talking about that recently with somebody. Um, Kyo Cinema, and I miss it. I want to get back to uh, talking about the DP movies, especially oh, because we we're only like two movies away from Dragon Ball Evolution. So yeah, that'll be yeah, an exciting right. time for us all. That's right. Man, I really hope that in the future we won't have to cover a live action My Hero movie that sucks. Ooh, you know, because it's a possibility, right? It's like, an, we're getting it is, there. No, no, no. It's beyond it's a possibility. It is an inevitability that a, <laughs> uh, a live action. I'm pretty sure it didn't. There's already a live action, action like, oh, like play or something, isn't there? Yeah, I feel like there's definitely been plays and like musicals and stuff. I think that there's already stuff in production for either a tv show or a movie in the my hero universe that's live action i could be no. pulling that out of my butt but i feel like i've read something about that at some point gross i feel like we should just like why do we have to make everything live action animated movies are fine you know what i mean they're more than fine they're fantastic because you could do more with that medium than you typically well you could do more in that medium for less than you can live action with similar or equivalent effects and um oh yeah you know, netflix is doing it netflix is making a live action my hero academia film of all people to make a live action that shouldn't shock film, anybody th- well it shouldn't but it shouldn't be them either because i think they've messed it up more than anybody like n- not to be fair they've attempted it more than anybody but ha- does True. anyone like any of their live action like animated live action conversions because i think uh death note was a pretty big womp womp if i remember correctly yeah the one thing they got i i don't think Willem i watched Defoe that movie. was like the best yeah. thing about Willem that, Defoe, that casting perfect. decision was phenomenal yeah like, but Willem then everything Defoe else it was just like oh why'd you do that 
Right, right, right. And then they did Cowboy Bebop, and there were some good casting decisions. Gosh, but yeah. Felt like it was really hard to capture the, the anime's essence. Yeah, yeah. yeah like because I actually really liked the show, um, and oh, I, I love really Cowboy bummed. Bebop. Well, I loved Cowboy Bebop, but even the live action show I thought was great. I really enjoyed it. I mean, it wasn't the best, but I mean, I thought they nailed the casting. Like some of some of the stuff that they converted to live action was kind of like, ah, that's kind of corny. But in general, like I wanted a season two, and I was bummed we weren't getting that. But yeah, I don't know. I know we said we wouldn't talk about personal lives. I guess this isn't personal life. It's it's anime related, but it is weird. Like I want them to stop making live action things. Just let it be its thing. It does a great job at it, you know. Well, you know they're doing. It might be Netflix too. That's doing like a live action Avatar, uh, Last Airbender. Yeah, they are. It's Netflix. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Netflix, stop. What are you doing? <laughs> Go home. You're drunk. Like- Every now and then, it is fun. I'll post in the uh, uh, like in the in the Discord for the BPN. Like, uh, there's a Minecraft movie coming out starring Dwayne the Rock Johnson. I think. Oh wow, that's crazy. And why? I I, I, share, I, th- I think it was him. It's some some big name star in the Minecraft live action movie, and I shared the the article saying as much in the Discord. It was just like, go home, you're drunk. Like, stop it. It was Hollywood. It wasn't Netflix specific. I said, like, go home, Hollywood, you're drunk. You're Jason you're learning Momoa. all the wrong lessons from like the Super Mario Bros. movie. Um, and so, and I haven't seen that, so I'm not casting judgment on it. I'm just saying Hollywood is they are obsessed with the, this this one thing has has proven far more successful than we anticipated so let's just rubber stamp it across all of these ips and it almost never works out well yeah yeah my wife and i were talking about like this mario movie coming out does that mean that we're gonna about to have like a nintendo cinematic universe like are they working up to smash bros you know are we gonna get a smash bros movie that would be insane but that seems to like be this model that everybody kind of wants to to fall into these days you know yeah cinematic universes i don't know I'm getting fan. tired of it. Yeah, same here. Uh, you know, MCU was fun at first, but now I'm just like, oh, man, you mean I got to watch another show before I go see another movie I don't have time for? No. Yeah, and that's, um, <laughs> we're, we're, we are get, uh, like rambling a little bit, but the MCU is just unwieldy at this point. And like, uh, imagine we think it's unwieldy now. We, ca- we kind of came yeah, we're in comic at the ground people. floor. Yeah. So like, you know, when Iron Man came out and what, 2008 or whatever it was yeah imagine yeah. 10 years from now if they even if they don't consistently output movies for the next decade I, which like whatever their their next phase probably covers and half that um like how inconceivable it would be for somebody to be like in order for me to know everything that leads up to this point i have to watch like two solid weeks of non-stop viewing of material and that's insane like it's it it's it makes me tired just thinking about the MCU and and I skip a lot of it. Of course, <laughs> like, you know our our boy stricken in the Discord's like ah I got it in a weekend don't worry. <laughs> yeah yeah like me I'm like I haven't watched I couldn't tell you the last Marvel TV show that I watched I skip movies regularly like oh, I did too I only recently watched Wakanda Forever I have I no intentions of watching Ant Man, uh, Quantumania like. I just, uh, you know, it was so exciting early on, but I, I really am. I'm just tired of it. Yeah, now I got to see a, that new Blue, Blue Beetle movie. That looks pretty good. That looks interesting. I don't it know does. that it looks great, but it does look interesting. It looks <laughs> different. It looks well, different. regardless of all this talk, why don't you say we hop into some My Hero Academia? We'll save right, them fine. the 12 more minutes to get to that 20-minute <laughs> <Yeah>. mark. <laughs> Thank you, everyone, for still listening.
Yeah, so we're we're covering 137, 138. Uh, this material for these two episodes spans chapters uh, 323 through 328 of the manga. And we're going to start with episode 137, which is called A Young Woman's Declaration. Yeah, and this is, uh, I don't think this is a 100% recap. You always poke fun at me for like recapping the recap. But, but I feel like... Uh, Heard you this... like recaps, dog. Exactly. Yeah. But the opening here does shed a little bit more light on kind of the situation because it, it is kind of a flashback where the class 1A is talking to Nezu and Endeavor in the principal's office. And Nezu is kind of explaining this like technology behind the defense system. And it's it's interesting because Ida's kind of, of of this opinion of like, hey, look, we do want to go get Midoriya and All Might and we do want to bring them back. But we understand that this is a significant security risk. Can we actually handle it? Like these people's safety is still our first concern no matter what. So will we really be OK? And Nezu goes into this whole explanation where like they know that they needed to protect, you know, Midoriya, especially because he's like one of their number one assets. And they knew that they were needing to protect from somebody that was incredibly powerful. So they built this really wild system with his own personal improvements that he paid for out of pocket. I'm like, how does Nezu have all this money first off? But second off, apparently he's very well known throughout like quirk. Uh, what was the uh, phrase that Endeavor used? Quirk Adibia. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So like, I don't think that's what, Endeavor no, calls it, but yeah, no, it's, it's it what it is, though. <laughs> but, but I mean, Nezu's donated, I think he even says here that it's like multiple hundreds of millions of dollars to implement the system where effectively, literally, UA can just freaking move. Like each piece is a, a part of a grid that can drop underground and basically shift over to Shiketsu High, from my understanding. And at any point in time, if Shigaraki's uh, dis destruction quirk were to activate, they've got all these like locking mechanisms that would effectively unlock from each other to create a barrier with an air gap in between. Like, really, actually, pretty genius stuff. Uh, taking into consideration the evolution of this quirk that they weren't aware of, which Ida calls out, and Nezu's like, "Ah, oh, I made a really good guess." <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, and and that speaks to his quirk some. Like, his quirk is. Like probabilities, uh, it's almost, yeah, of, it's like domino effect, kind of a level of anticipation, and so he extrapolated some data in his basically like, okay, so assuming his quirk evolves, it could evolve along this particular evolution line, and so we're going to build in some um some some defenses against that, and so yeah, there's like three there's a three thousand layered like reinforced plate system that if they sense anything that they, the supports between them unlock. And so they disengage from one another, which means that uh, Shigaraki's decay as it moves from, uh, uh, from one contact point to another would be stymied at least, at least yeah. temporarily. And uh, I mean, it's, it's really smart. I think I told you, uh, I think I teased this at this the end concept. of the last episode. Yeah. yeah, you, were, yeah. you were like, dude, this is explained pretty much in the next episode. And it is wild. Like the actual mechanics behind it will blow your mind. Yeah, it's nuts because he basically is like, OK, so all of UA is split up as like this. Uh, he, he basically says it's like a board game, like it's split up into all these pieces and each of these pieces can become its own subterranean uh, like emergency shelter. And then beyond that, when they go underground, they can move along this uh, magnetic transit system. My whole thing was he explicitly says a year ago or last year, UA was broken into by Shigaraki. He decayed the front cage, you know, when, uh, yeah, when yeah. Ida got his like um, emergency exit Ida uh, uh, name. Uh, so a, a, within a year's time, 
all of this stuff was presumably built, which is bonkers because like where I live, it took them like six years to put a middle lane in a uh, in like a residential area. Yeah, <laughs> you but know, where you live, about... they don't have quirks. That's like, true. That's the that's the the one thing when you get like boil it down in the my hero world is anything that feels impossible is immediately made possible by some random quirk wielder you know the scale of this is nuts though so it's like yeah like how do you even even prep the the ground around you to dig out this system all the way across the freaking country like did they get permits for this you know what i mean like that that alone feels like it would have taken a year to get through clearing that's what is blowing my mind is like how did they do it without anybody knowing Right. And that that's the thing that I was trying to key in on is like they said that their system can like connect to Shiketsu, which is like not close. And like the students key in on this. There's even yeah. this funny scene where uh, I think it's Kaunari is like exclaiming how in the world did Nezu pay for this out of uh, like out of his own pocket. And his eyeballs are the yen shape. His teeth have yen shapes like he's got braces. And even yeah. in the manga, <laughs> he's got like yen shooting out of his nose. Uh, like their little snot yen and like it's just it's a freaking massive scale for them to be able to pull this off i love the mechanics of it but the timeline of it is fascinating even with quirks it seems bonkers (laughs) yeah it really does like you'd almost have to have like 10 cement tosses down there with very similar powers doing how did they even create the objects like did they have a bunch of people like momo out there just just constantly pumping out, you know, iron and steel and all the things they used. Yeah. I'm with you. The logistics behind this is nuts, but I love it. Like it's a really cool solution to the issue that they have at hand. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it is mechanically fascinating. It is temporally and logistically improbable. Impossible. (laughs) Let's be honest. Even with with I was like, what? How did yeah. they do all this so fast? Oh, man. Now, like, imagine a thousand years in the future and humanity's been wiped out and rebuilt and they find this system and they're just, it's like, it would be like ancient aliens, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man, that's that's hilarious to me. Uh, but, well, we snap into kind of the present here and we're with Class 1A. They're right there at the entrance uh, of this barrier that's kind of being talked about, this massive wall. Um, and, you know, we've got Deku who is first off like refusing to come back has been forced to come back finally accepted that he is going to attempt to be resting and this crowd that has met him basically telling him like no we don't want you here and ochako is standing there in front of deku and this crowd is literally just screaming like do not let this kid in he is absolutely a threat to our security i think they're even calling him a nomu they're like hey he's got multiple quirks like isn't he just another nomu man and gosh his poor mom is standing there like yeah it's horrible in the manga in particular, they they have these three panels where it's like Inko and Eri and uh, Koda with a T are all like audience to this. It looks like Monoma is kind of shielding Eri. He's like restraining her from inside. But Inko is being restrained by Bakugo's mom. Koda uh, is being restrained by the powerless pussycat. And uh, like it, it, it's just it's heartbreaking to see this restraint. Like these are people that want to rush to Deku, and, and they're being them. withheld at least yeah. initially. Even the uh, Ipano Jose or whatever, uh, the the like plain woman in Japanese, the big tall fox lady, the big is hesitant. fox bunny lady. Yeah, yeah, in part because she 
uh, the way that it's communicated is she doesn't even recognize Midoriya initially, which is like, I guess, to be fair, because at this point, his cowl that she would have, she probably would have recognized more immediately has been left behind. Like Agreed. All Might ends up picking it up in the next episode. But she gets there eventually. But it is like, it, it's hard to watch these people who, Inko in particular, has to be physically restrained. Like, she knows that this is Midoriya. This is her son, and she wants to rush out to them, It no matter the cost to her personally or right. physically you know she she doesn't care the cost she doesn't care the risk and bakugo's mom is restraining her so this restraint is really tough to watch uh both in the manga and in the anime oh yeah absolutely and we uh we transition over to present mike who has been trying to do some crowd control here and best genius is just like hey look like let me handle the situation i'm the one that convinced them to come here to begin with so let me try to convince them that this is the safest place for them genius is the one who says that uh, yeah, that's what he's he's telling that to best uh, uh, to present Mike because right. he's like just taking over because present Mike can't quell the crowds. Uh, but, you know, it's weird because uh, present Mike doesn't pass him like a microphone or anything. Best genius just gets really loud. I was like, yeah. what is how did he tap? What, did, what is happening? <laughs> it's it's interesting. You know, it, at first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like. I mean, and what's interesting too is in this scene, President Mike actually is, is holding a bullhorn. Oh yeah, no, President Mike is. Yeah, like, you're right. But bro, Best Genius yeah. isn't. And <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, dude, your whole I thought, like, this power whole scene is a felt, bullhorn. Felt kind of you strange. Got speakers so around like, your necks, exactly is that? Because it felt to me like Best Genius should have been the one holding that bullhorn or the mic, and it was he wasn't. So yeah, I thought that was really weird. Yeah, Ochako ends up stripping it from um, from President Mike. From President yeah. Mike, when she, yeah, when she goes up on a bill, like, what the hell does President Mike need a bullhorn for? <laughs> because he didn't want to blow out everybody's I guess for ears. Restraint. Yeah, restraint probably. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but anyway, so Best Genist is claiming that, like, guys, this is the safest place to be, and in order to make the first move against these villains, you know, we we basically leaned on Midoriya as bait. However, they've taken a little bit longer than we expected, and you know, we really don't have a lot to show for this. Like, Midoriya has not tracked anybody down that we expected him to, and. You you know, we, we are not having these villains coming out of the dark, so we don't have a lot to show for this. And right now, Midori is this target. He is a target of a very, very bad villain, and he's also our most valuable asset. So we need to be able to take care of him, even if it's just a place to rest for a small period of time. So that way, you know, he can kind of get recharged and be available for when this event takes place. He, like, absolutely needs to rest. And he knows that this is not an ideal situation, but it's really the only thing they can do. And he's just begging the crowd, like, please let Midoriya stay here and rest so he can be ready when we actually need him. And some guy in the crowd is just like, okay, so what you're saying is you guys messed up getting us in this whole situation, and now you've messed up again putting all of your expectations on this kid, and you're wanting us to sacrifice our safety, and you call yourselves heroes. Like... I mean, what are you what are you even trying to to insinuate here that like because you guys can't get a control on the situation, we're going to have to sacrifice our safety and everything happening here for some kid we don't even know? And I mean, the whole crowd is immediately like, oh, yeah, yeah, like he's right. And they just start freaking out. This is much better translated in the manga, because while I was taking notes, I was I'm able to type now, by oh, the way. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, uh, it's not super comfortable. I have to kind of kick my left elbow out, but I can do it. So my notes are primarily from the anime, but I, of course, I read the manga alongside um, once I finish an episode. And in the episode during my notes, I was like, "Is does Deku's danger sense kick in here? Because it kind of is communicated visually, yeah. but the primary key for 
Uh, the primary key visualiz uh, visualization for Danger Sense is these like lightning bolts that kind they're of they're like Spidey Sense, and what he's seeing yeah, is crash across the is screen. more like he's seeing all these people as devils and like like they're angrily they're right. red they've got these glowing eyes. It's not the same kind of yeah, Danger those, Sense that we've been shown. The lightning bolts aren't shown in the anime, but they are shown in the manga. Really? So like his Danger Sense manga canon is actually going off. These people are as far as Deku's. Uh, Danger Sense Quirk is concerned, they do oh, wow. wish him harm. I wish that they had done that in the anime because that is not at all what's communicated here. I I never once thought Danger Sense was going off, and because I had that thought, I was like, I'm really shocked that they didn't have Danger Sense going off in this situation. My only assumption is is that Midori is not in actually any real danger because he could take out any of those civilians, and not only that, but there's no way in hell anybody around him is going to let a civilian try to damage him. You know what I mean? Yeah, and so in the middle of this, as as everybody is reacting, Uravity uh, rushes over. I love how it's communicated in the manga because there's this tiny little panel where uh, the bullhorn that President Mike was holding is like outlined in uh, like a uh, like a broken up like a dotted line, as if it, it was supposed to be there, but it's not. And so she's got it. <laughs> That's awesome. And she she jumps up on top of the building, and there's this great moment in the anime. It's not really. Uh, communicated well in the in the manga, but there's this moment I love it in the anime where she lands on top of the building, and there's this short little inhale that she makes as she gets up. Yeah, there. like she's prepping herself. Like, sh yeah, that moment was so good. And they even uh, pause to show that her parents are there watching, and I liked that particular moment too. And so she begins this discourse that is like the focus of. Uh, these these episodes or this episode in in particular. Yeah, this is like the rest of the episode, basically. Yep. So she gets up there and she's explaining that Deku does have a special power, and you know someone in the crowd is basically just like, yeah. So what are you saying? Like, you know, he sh he shouldn't be here just because he wants to rest. Like, he's not more special than us just because of this power and. Uh, Ochako kind of goes in to explain that, you know, Midoriya actually did leave to protect these people and Class 1A and to not cause trouble. And they're the ones that forced him to come back. And she says, you know, his power is meant to destroy all for one, which is why they are after him. And we absolutely have to have them. And she says, look at him. He's he's just wearing down, you know, and he's 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 absolutely worn out. And at this point, you know, we, we kind of see Midoriya, like, start to to realize what's happening, and the crowd is looking on, and uh, Ochako continues, she says, you know, even if someone has a special power, that doesn't make them special. And this is where I think we kind of key in on a couple of the different people uh, that we recognize from Midoriya's past, really. We see the fox bunny lady, um, and she's actually recognizing him, and Bakugo is is talking to Midoriya, and he says, like, look, there's a system in place to protect these people, and they're still uneasy. We're gonna clean up all of the messes that you can't. Like, trying to be like, man, you can't handle all of this all at once. And Nezu's off to the side, and he's thinking, like, if someone can just take that first step, the rest will continue, and this will usher in this new era where we have these great heroes that surpass All Might, but someone has to take that first step. And we get the intro here, a young woman's declaration, and 
we focus back in on Ochako. She's up on top of that building, and we get a little bit more background information about her and the first time that she saw a hero, or is the way she says, a hero's work. And uh, she's kind of explaining that when she was in this moment, she liked seeing all of the people around her, all of their happy faces. And at first, it wasn't even focusing on the actual hero. It was like the crowd around the hero. And uh, it's it's interesting because the crowd at this point that is surrounding Midoriya in Class 1A they're all starting to see how rough Midoriya actually looks. They're looking past the situation and trying to see the individual there. And this is when uh, the, what did you call her? A plain, simple girl? That, Cause that's her, what her name translates yeah. to, right? Ipan Jose or something yeah, like that yeah. in Japanese. It's just like plain woman, although she doesn't look plain. Check any of those <laughs> yeah, boxes. Yeah. Yeah, um, it's like, it's like ironic, but she, she addresses the crowd, I think in this situation. And she's like, yeah, you know, he saved me when he absolutely did not have to. And another guy in the crowd, I think it's the same one that that kind of initiated some of the uproar, but he's just like, yeah, we looked at him. What are you trying to say? Do you want us to get beat up like that, too? Like, do you want us to be covered in mud? And Ochako gets fiery. She's just like, no, only the heroes are going to be covered in mud. Just give us some time to wash that mud and dirt off. And Ida's just like, hey, Deku, look, right now, Ochako is fighting for the sake of everyone's smiles, including yours. Like, this is how some people fight. It's not always just out in the field, man. Uh, I've really loved this. Like, this whole moment is just so passionate. Yeah, and Ochako says, can I reassure you all right now? No. Like, she's she's speaking truth. She's not she's not campaigning, right? She's, she's just, not placating. She's just trying Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's the right word. She is campaigning. She's not placating. She's she's not sugarcoating anything. She's like, I can't reassure you all now, no. But we're all uneasy because we're neighbors. And I love, I think I mentioned this a couple episodes ago, maybe, where I was like, if Hero Society had gone out of their way to communicate that heroes were people, then a lot of this stuff would have been circumvented or at least understood differently, possibly even better. And so for... A lot of what Ochako petitions for and a lot of the like weird starfish head dude from the first episode ever, <laughs> yeah. a lot of what he says is built around this concept of, well, we used to think heroes were something else, but we need to remember that they are just people. And so she says, we're, we're neighbors, even us heroes, we're people just like you. And I love that. Like she, she's finally getting to that point or the, the, the manga itself, the content itself, the narrative itself. Like that was something that I was like, if this had just been communicated well earlier, then a lot of this would have been avoided or a little bit more palatable, understandable. And uh, so I love that they are making it explicitly stated here. Yeah, and there was something I was going to ask you that I, the starfish guy kind of keyed in on because he's talking about being a member of the audience when the heroes kind of took the stage because All Might showed them what a hero could be. And it made me think, like, before All Might, I mean, everyone talks about All Might as if he set this new precedence for how a hero could and should and would be. So pre-All Might, were heroes just other people? Like, were they not seen in the limelight like they are in the era that we're getting to watch? You know, it felt like the indication here is, and, and even in the next episode, some of the, I guess, language they use makes it seem like All Might was that turning point. And now they've been in this era of unrealistic expectations for heroes. So it just makes me wonder, like, could this whole thing have been avoided if that, like, underground black ops group that Nagant worked for and Hawks worked for weren't cleaning up the heroes' crap? You know, if they just from the get-go was like, yeah, sometimes heroes suck too. There it is. Like, could this have been avoided, you know? 
uh, maybe not avoided, but I think that it would have been better understood and received. Yeah, you know, yeah. instead of like putting it's, these heroes the up leveling. on a pedestal. Yeah, yeah. So the rando from episode one, which is what I call him. I don't. I don't think he goes. Starfish dude um, is what he is so, in my notes. <laughs> yeah. So like he basically says, I thought that this this new world was like the heroes were up on a stage and we were spectators. And he, and he kind of mixes his metaphors. I thought he kind of lost it a little bit more in the anime than he does in the manga, where he's basically saying, it's not them on stage and us out here as the audience. We're all in this together, like we're on an even playing field. But then he brought in, he, he kind of mixed his metaphors yeah. a little bit in the anime in a way that I was just like, uh, that's not where I thought this was going. Because he says... Um, we're jumping ahead a a tiny bit we're not skipping over anything like super super big but he says I felt like I was in the audience and the heroes were the performers on stage and All Might showed us what heroes were like and we wanted to be him and we applauded him and then we forgot the soul behind the man but now the stage has been taken away and there's no hope for money or fame anymore and that's the line that I was like you were selling it so well until you made it about money and fame yeah because like Uh, All Might didn't do it for money and fame that's like the big difference between him and the other heroes so like in one sentence you were able to applaud him and put him on the pedestal and then also completely misunderstood the pedestal he was trying to stand on yeah Yeah, and I'm pretty (laughs) confident that like in the manga he doesn't he doesn't mix that metaphor in I'm trying to like scroll ahead some but I think it crosses chapters and I don't want to get too far ahead of myself but I don't recall that line being in there and that line in the anime was just like man your metaphor was so good about this this separation between you and them that you're now realizing doesn't exist but then you make it about money and fame and that totally derails the the momentum that you were building with your argument so but it's still communicated i just think that that one line is just out of place it has the potential to derail that train that is his argument um in in front of all these people so that was it was a little disappointing if that was an addition and uh as we continue to kind of talk through some of the stuff if i if i catch that in the mangas because i'm kind of flipping through as we're covering stuff um chronologically if i see that 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 is a glaring omission or an addition then i'll i'll mark it out when we get For sure uh, and to to back up just a couple of minutes here so ochako has been kind of having this conversation with uh you know the crowd and trying to get them amped up and 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 wanting to accept deku again and at at some point in time here she's begging everyone after making the neighbor statement like look please just let's lend midoriya our strength he's just a normal high school kid with a really powerful quirk like he's just trying to figure this out just like everybody else and as she's saying that it's really i mean just such a heartwarming scene here because um, we've got coda that is like running towards him now and having this flashback of his shoes like what shoes he wanted to buy and he wanted red shoes because that's what he saw when midoriya was defeating muscular in front of him was midoriya's red shoes and that action that moving forward you know that midoriya is trying to teach him and we've got the the lady that he saved running over and grabbing him and they're both holding him as he's just broken into tears because he has seen this outpouring of love from his classmates and, and ochako specifically and uh, in my notes here i realized too that like that lady the the bunny fox lady she is huge mm-hmm. like she's, she's so freaking tall she's she's literally like on her knees i think like bent over hugging him and she is still i mean easily three or four heads taller than midoriya and he's standing up straight it is wild i talked about when he he had to use float to cover her head with, with the, the umbrella uh, with the yeah, umbrella yeah yeah, but I just she, seeing it again here, sure. I was just like, "Holy cow! That is such a large individual, like just tall." <laughs> 
but man, this scene is great. Yeah. Like just the two of them holding him and 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 him really reciprocating, right? And like latching onto them. It was just a good moment. I was kind of bummed that they didn't let uh, Midoriya's uh, mother uh, go see him. No, because oh. <laughs> yeah, there is a moment <laughs> yeah, here where Mineta is trying to like move forward to help out Midoriya, and Ida actually really keys in on this, and he's like, "No, Mineta, this isn't our place. Like it can't, yeah. it can't be us that moves forward. The people have to accept him, you know." Right. And like earlier, I mentioned that there were like specific panels in the manga that Coda was restrained, Aerie was restrained, the Pano Jose was uh, hesitant, at least, or she she might not have recognized Midori because he didn't have his weird, angry, scary, bunny like cowl thing on. Uh, But Midori, like Inko knows who this is. And it is, uh, it does take away a little bit that she wasn't also allowed to to run up there. I think that that would have been uh in addition to the the moment for sure. Um her omission isn't necessarily like a you know dramatic mistake or whatever like as far as the emotional communication of this particular moment um that it was two people that Midori had an effect on outside of any inherent relationships is communicated well, but they could have done both. Like I would have liked to have seen Inko run up there yeah. too. Um, but yeah, so we have Coda um, and the Ipano or Ipan Jose run up there. Mineta tries to run up to join him too, but Ida explains it's just not the time. It's not their time right now. And I like I that. Too. And Nezu kind of keys in on it. He's like seeing the crowd and he's thinking like, okay, if just one more person can take that next step and they do like the, we're starting to see this crowd almost like, shifting forward subconsciously i i would i was what i said like almost like they didn't realize they were doing it because they're not moving but they're like leaning in towards the scene like they're being called to move towards midoriya and i really really liked that yeah and this is where we get into the rando from e1's explanation of what's going on and he explains that like Many of the heroes have resigned, and he's like, what are those who are left fighting for? Mm-hmm. And he's like, if we reject them, if we reject those who are still fighting, and his implication is they're fighting for us. Uh, so if if we reject those folks that are still fighting for us, what is going to be left? And he says, how, how long are we going to stay audience members? So he kind of collapses those those that gap that that disparation between uh the the two groups and i like that like he and he even like i think at one point he basically tries to clarify with the heroes he's like is this what you were trying to say yeah yeah <laughs> almost as like horikoshi was using his own characters to try to be a little bit more explicit yeah uh, for us dummies in the crowd who were just <laughs> reading and watching i thought that was really funny uh like he was just trying like it felt like a project manager just being like okay just to clarify between the two groups now group a you really meant to say and like turn around i thought that was really uh really great uh, but we also, I love this moment too, where we get someone that's like holding a phone and it appears to have some sort of a, like social media feed on it. This individual is just saying something out loud about how like there are rumors of this multi-quirked individual dressed in rags. And someone had actually said that this person was stirring up the villains and others have claimed that he's actually a true villain. And he asks he, out loud, he says, you know, if we let you stay here, if we let you rest here, will things go back to normal? And Deku says he'll get it back because everyone is there with him. We will all get yeah, it back. Yeah, and that's such a good... It's a reversal, right? Because I think in our last episode, we talked about how when he first had the encounter with the fox lady, she was like, can you get things back to normal? And he said, yes, I'll make it that way. And then shortly thereafter, I think in the encounter with Class 1A, he was like, I can't get things back the way that it was. Right. 
And now he's like, he, he realizes he, he was like, okay, I might have to do this on my own in the first encounter with, with Foxy lady. Then he realizes, nah, I can't do that. And if it's all up to just me, I won't be able to do that. But now he realizes if we work towards it, then we actually can. And I like that progression. In in the little chatting with Atkins episodes, that was one of the things that I talked about was like, Midoriya is wrong. Like he's noble, but he's wrong. And uh, I think that that gets resolved pretty well in this episode. Yeah. And, you know, I got to say, like, I I did not like this next moment here because the, the guy in question starts crying and he steps forward like to almost like I would have guessed to go comfort Midoriya or something. But we don't know because they just cut, like just fade to black and then fade back into ectoplasm talking to Endeavor. And I was like, no, that's not the scene I wanted. Like, I wanted to see this crowd like rush 1A, embrace Midoriya, give high fives, like whatever. Something more should have happened there. I did not like the way that they just faded to black on this. It's interesting, though, because they made it sound like they didn't want Endeavor inside of the school, even though he was like, he was like, I call it like TMNT disguised, <laughs> like the old yeah. TMNT cartoons. They just wear like an overcoat and a and and like, like a top a hat. hat. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. ectoplasm. He'd been inside a UA last episode, though, or earlier in this episode. Oh, it's <laughs> like, so weird. What's the problem? Yeah. And they try to kind of like hand wave it later, but I don't think it makes any sense because ectoplasm is basically telling Endeavor, Shoto and Hawks like, hey, did you hear Ochako's speech? And they are nodding. And he's just like, OK, it's probably OK for you to guys go in for now, you know, and yeah, now. yeah. <laughs> yeah, and Endeavor right. is just like, well, you know, this really sucks. Like, in the end, we just ended up making Deku suffer even more with no progress. And Hawks is, stops him, and he's like, no, 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 there was progress right here. Like, one for all is the crystallization of power spun together by people's hearts. All Might is connected to Midoriya. Class A is connected to Midoriya. You know, Uravity or Ochako is connected to everyone in the UA right now, and she connected all of those people to Midoriya. If everyone is able to think about everyone just a bit more, then maybe we can actually imagine a future where everyone can't help but smile and heroes will have too much time on their hands. And I really like that. Like Hawks just being like, nah, man, like you can't just keep saying we're not making progress. Like this was something. This was huge. People united. And it's kind of hard to do. Like this is something that's talked about in studies in general. And I think you've mentioned it several times in a podcast or, or on the podcast. If you are dealing with a group of people, it is incredibly difficult to get any one individual to listen and even further difficult to get a group of people to agree and completely do a 180. And that's what this did, like what class one, a did here. That's super, super incredibly difficult. De-escalation yeah, tactics here were just incredible all around. And there was a moment where the guy who was kind of the, he, he had to have been the face for the revolution or what, or the resistance. You were, he was like, why not just send him to Chiketsu? And I love that Ochaka was like, because he's just going to experience the same resistance there. So let's just deal with it yeah, here. Yeah, and I don't even think it was Ochako. Um, I think it was just some random lady in the crowd that was just like... Might have been. Yeah, so you just want to shift the problem to them? <laughs> like, that's kind of crappy of you, dude. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this it's such a good moment. I, I think I talked in the Discord after initially watching this episode and, and just stated that it was a beautiful thing for Ochako to get this moment. Um. Ida got his big moment. You know, if we're talking about the the original three, you know, and, and that comes up a lot in our podcast, the OG three were like Midoriya, Ochako, and Ida. And then it kind of evolved into Midoriya, Bakugo, Bakugo and, and Todoroki. Todoroki. Yeah. 
Um, and, and so seeing Ida get his big moment in the last series of episodes and now seeing Ochako kind of take this stage and each of them handling, uh, you know, different aspects, but still being emotionally charged, like it not just being like Ida's Ida's moment was an emotionally charged moment. Like they aren't just relegating the emotional stuff to the girl. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. And I like that that was handled that way. Well, and I, I like this next moment too, where Shoto is like looking up at, at, you know, uh, NG and it's just like, Hey dad, like we're in this together. You know, that's it. That's all he says. And, and NG has this face of recognition and acceptance. I think he even maybe sheds a tear. It's just a good moment here. Um, I will, I want to sidetrack us for a, a split second. Before we continue on, I won't allow it. Oh, dang. Okay. Well, regardless, I'm going to say it. You can cut it if you want. <laughs> <laughs> this is literally turned into Kingdom Hearts. I don't know if Horikoshi and Tetsuya Nomura have been talking on the side, but like the whole concept of Kingdom Hearts is hey, the main character has this power that's basically enriched every time he makes friendships happen. Like the more people that have, you know, him in their heart, the power, more powerful he can become. I'm like, that is what Hawks just described is the pole plot to Kingdom Hearts. And it just cracked me up. It was just such a weird, like, connecting moment for me where I was like, dang, I knew this kind of felt familiar. And that's totally what it is. It feels so similar to that. <laughs> yeah, that that's lost on me. I've not played a single thing Kingdom's Hearts. Uh, except I, I have played Kingdom Hearts Talisman okay. because I got it for free as I was reviewing stuff for a website. I earlier. hope some other Kingdom Hearts fan out there in the Discord or even on Twitter is just like, holy crap, Adam, you're totally right. Or they can eat me alive. Right, that right. probably is actually what's going to happen. <laughs> uh, but regardless, we, we continue on here with Nezu, who is called Aizawa, and he's telling Aizawa, like, hey, look, I couldn't convince this crowd to accept Midoriya, but your class did it for me. Like, great job, pal. And He's checking in to see how the new leg is, and Aizawa's sitting on the bed, and he's got this fresh new metal leg. Um, you know, and I think he makes a joke about not being able to jump as high as, uh, uh, oh, what's her name? Mirko. But I had the thought, like, when could he have ever jumped as high as her? If anything, shouldn't the new leg <laughs> right. allow him to do that? Like, he could get some hydraulics or something in there, surely. Yeah, they're, they're just giving him a leg to stand on. They're not, like, superpowering that, that one Not leg. yet. I mean, there's the option. There of has course. to be. If it was up to May, he would absolutely have this like <laughs> overpowered leg. Uh, he'd, be, he'd get turned into like a full like you know mech suit, <laughs> right? And it would have just as much chance of crushing him as it would like, uh, actually, allow him yeah. to jump. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, but the Nezu continues to ask about uh, the situation with Kurogiri, and we get some really interesting information here that I did not expect. Apparently, they are working on trying to restore him, or at least use him for some restoration research. Like, they pretty much just admit that if it hadn't been for the fact that they were able to get Shirakumo to break through uh, Kurogiri for that split moment to give them some information, they never would have gotten nearly as far as they would. They'd probably all be dead by now, or very, very soon to be dead. And Aizawa kind of asks about, like, countermeasures for Toga. And so we get this fill-in that apparently they were able to determine the time period her quirk lasts for. So they just quarantine people for that long. And this actually had me, like, questioning, and I don't know why I had never considered this, but is it possible that, you know, the, the whole time we thought that there was some sort of traitor in UA, maybe it was just Toga. Like, maybe there never was an actual traitor. It could have just been a spy undercover the whole time. And we never would have maybe known about it. She easily could have learned the patterns, learned, you know, when people were in certain classes and just been somebody for a short period of time that would have made sense to gather information. Yeah, but if if that were the case, 
whoever she was replacing would have at some point been like, the hell? Like, why don't I remember well, yesterday? It, you know, where wouldn't always have to <laughs> you know? be like the same person, right? Because she doesn't always knock everyone out. She could just steal their blood and use it at another time. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I just feel like if she was doing a long con, I mean, so think about what she did with Kami, right? If she was doing a long con, she would remove that particular player from the field entirely. She wouldn't just replace them every now and then yeah. and then go and replace somebody else. Like, that that would draw too much suspicion. I think that there's still... A traitor. It, well, yeah, if Horikoshi hasn't just lost that thread entirely. I feel like I remember um, seeing somewhere either on Twitter or in Discord that that's actually about to resurface. Like, as a... I don't think it was like a, hey, this is a spoiler, this is coming back, as much as a, oh, that's right, you guys haven't seen that resurface yet like on like i feel like someone had mentioned like no that's not been abandoned it'll come back up i but gotcha i don't know so yeah i it, i don't think even if that's the case i don't think toga was involved in that at all um given given how her power works i don't think that she would have been you know occasionally replacing anybody it's it's it would be it would have been it would have surfaced too easily it, i think there really is some sort of like full-on long-term long con plant in one A, one B, or Somewhere whatever. There. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. That's what I. That's what I. Suspect. Well, we we finished the episode. Alf, Alf. Wow, that sounded weird. <laughs> Leaving it. We in. Uh, we finished the episode with All Might. Uh, basically, he says is the hero hating groups that still refuse to evacuate. And as he is like in his car leaving, we actually see Stain off from a distance, like looking over. Uh, and that's literally pretty much where we pick back up in the next episode, which is titled "No Man Is an Island." Yeah, All Might picks up Midori's discarded mask. Um, I think there's some s potential symbolism here, in part because Midoriya was wearing that cowl to obscure who he is. And now that he's discarded it, it, it the, his identity is known. You remember there were those rumors flowing through the crowds, even while he was unmasked at UA. It's like, oh, there's yeah. these rumors of this person who had all these quirks. And he, is he a hero or villain or whatever? And now he's been kind of well, unmasked. There's like a vulnerability there. To the public now, basically. Right, right. So I think that his discarded mask, it was kind of an unintentional thing as far as the narrative is concerned. But from the literary perspective, it was, it was very intentional. And I love this because so much of this conversation that is about to take place is out loud. All Might is talking to himself. And this is what sets the stage for his encounter with Stain, who was there. So All Might says out loud, you couldn't do anything for your disciple when he was hurting. And there's this flashback of Aizawa just saying like, just by living and being here, you can spur many people on. You you can be this inspiration. Um, but All Might, again, speaking out loud, says at this point, you're only getting in the way, All Might. And he's standing at the foot of the the... A statue that was erected after Camino, and there's been a sign hung around his neck that says, I'm not here with big red X on it. But he's saying this stuff out loud. And as a result of him speaking these things out loud, Stain strikes. And so he, he interrupts and he proffers his sword and he holds it threateningly uh, at All Might's throat. And he's asking if All Might, he's basically like, you just committed blasphemy against, he, he's like, He's he's basically asking All Might if he just committed blasphemy against himself, but there's dramatic irony, yeah. right? Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's also really effective, and it's spot-on analysis. This is what Horikoshi is wanting to do, is to get the the us as readers to see this this disparity between what All Might can be 
in what All Might currently perceives himself to be and have Stain as this this motivating character, this inciting incident that tries to basically spur All Might on to his potential or at least to realize who he actually is. And it's really, really effective. This whole conversation is oh fan-freaking-tastic. Yeah. Um, they've been teasing Stain for... A couple of episodes now, and uh, we get a lot of attention on which you guys know. Like, I love stain. Any any stain material, I'm gonna want. Um, and I think that the way that they redeployed him or reintroduced him into the story here is extremely effective. Oh my gosh, yeah, he's such a cool literary element at this point. Like, and if it had been anyone else, I don't think it would have mattered as much. Like, they have reused him in a way that makes his his being who he is so important to this conversation. Right. Even if he doesn't actually fight on the side of the heroes, what he does is still for the side of the heroes. And he makes that explicit, Um, even to the detriment of his own well-being at the end of this. And so All Might is like, listen, when I was an active hero, you would have never showed yourself and you didn't. And I never thought that we'd meet. And uh, like Stain is like, "What what are you talking about? And All Might's like, well, you know. A lot has happened since you got caught, but I'm All Might. And Stain is like, no, you're not. Yeah, straight up. He's just like, nope, no freaking way. All Might even transforms for a split second to the point where he's like puking blood. And Stain is just like, nah, you're pretending. Yeah. And like, to be fair, like in a world full of quirks, it would be easy to present yourself as All Might. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And what Stain is looking for is not the aesthetic. He's looking for that soul. And he even uses that language, I think, a little bit later on in this conversation. Yeah. But he's like, you're a fake. He's like, this is the sacred ground of a hero. Who do you think you are impersonating him? Who do you claim? Why do you claim to even be him? He's, He's wanting to know the motive behind all this. But what All Might says, I think, is what starts... Um, cluing Stain into the fact that he actually is who he claims to be. So All Might is first, at first he's like, oh, impersonating him, huh? Well, I've always felt like I had to do something and I couldn't stand the injustice around me. Even if I was powerless, I couldn't stand still. Uh, and I think that that is one of those things that really clues Stain in because this whole thing is like heroes have been utilize, leveraging their power for all the wrong reasons. And All Might is saying, I didn't have any power and I still leveraged what little I did have for all the right reasons. Right. And uh, so he's like, I, ha- I wanted to make the world a better place. And then I finished my run. Like I, and, and he kind of gestures generally uh, <laughs> to, like to the, the world state around of things. Him. Yeah. Yeah. And he's, he's like, like look at the result. the result. Gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and man. he's like my disciple who I was supposed to give my life to protect. I couldn't even get him to rest. So he's like, I'm, I'm the only one getting further and further away from being a hero. And it looks like Stane at this point, like is going to actually slice all might's throat. Like he's, he's going for this murder strike, but instead what he does is he kind of, catches him and whisks him uh, behind a boulder as a woman approaches the um, the All Might statue. Yeah, and I love this moment, too, because All Might kind of keys in on the fact that he's not felt any, what he says, murderous intent from this guy in a while. And Stain grabs All Might by the head and, like, forces him out behind this boulder, and it's just like, look at this. And we see this woman approaching the statue, and she's using this funky little, like, bubble quirk. It almost looks like she summons, like, uh, snowballs beneath her feet. Snowballs. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I called it, too. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, and she she just uses some scissors to cut the sign down, and then we see her start to kind of, like, clean off the statue itself. And Stain just explains that she comes out and does this every single day. 
And All Might is just like, who even is this lady? Like, she's putting herself in a lot of risk coming out here. She shouldn't be doing this. And Stain explains that this is the last person All Might ever saved. And we do get this, like, flashback of him seeing her in some rubble at, at Camino, And he's deformed. He's in that, you know, uh, what we always call him Jinko Jeans All Might. Uh, and this is right before he sparks back up to kind of finish that fight. Uh, so he he did save her, and he remembers this. And gosh, I was thinking, too, like, he has saved probably... Would you say millions of people or just thousands? I would I at don't least know. thousands. He does, he's not so bold as to walk around calling himself La Million. Let's well, be okay, let's, yeah, <laughs> that's fair. But he saved thousands of people. I can I can only imagine it would be hard to remember, you know, any one of them at this point. Uh, but but with him, you know, saving this woman and seeing this this act of kindness towards his image, effectively, Stain and I put it in my notes. Stain reminds Toshinori that no matter what happened, All Might smiled as he sacrificed himself for the people. That didn't have anything to do with his power. People praised that conviction that was engraved in his soul, and he says, "Someone like you has no right to talk about All Might." And I loved that because in this moment, this isn't All Might. This is Toshinori. This is him with like that self doubt of I am not All Might anymore. I am not a teacher. I am not a hero. And Stain just trying to be like, dude, yeah, you're right. You're not because All Might was doing this differently, and you can be like him. But right now, you you aren't, and you're not allowed to talk about him the way you are. It was such a good moment. Yeah. And he says, too, he emphasizes, like, he challenges All Might's perception of this is the end results. This is the end. And he says, results, this is a process. Yeah. And he's showing this woman is progress. This is a part of the process of what it is that Stain himself was pursuing, of of writing hero society, of getting it back into a, an appropriate relationship with the rest of the populace. And he says, this is evidence of what I wanted to. And you have moved, you've, you've moved that, uh, that, you know, line, if you want to call it towards this end result, it's a process. You're not going to, yeah, sure. You didn't accomplish it all by yourself overnight, but it's, it's this process. And so he says the buried embers that, uh, that he, that all might left behind, he's still kind of referring to him. Although I think at this point, he knows that he's talking to All Might. Um, but the embers that All Might left behind stand up to the wind and the rain, and they're getting passed among a few people and is developing into this new large fire. And there's this great scene. It's uh, depicted in the anime and the manga where All Might, with his uh, fist raised in the air and his uh, swole might, it's, it's basically the the statue itself is kind of flanked by all of the members of 1A. Yeah. And this would make a killer resin. Like, what a... Bonkers! Yeah, that would. That's like, I had the same statue. Thought. This would be. This would be such a cool um, statue. Yeah, and and so he's like, Stain's like, we can't let it go out. Even if we struggle, we have to keep stoking that fire. And I love that. And and the lady at the statue um, just keeps saying, "I'm doing my best, so you do your best." And in the anime, she kept say, she keeps saying Ganbare. And and we uh, in the in the Discord, funnily enough, we talked about like. Japanese phrases that you'll see in like all of the anime of all time. And Gambare was one that uh, I, I talked about uh, in this like article that was like, here's the top 15 phrases that you'll see in every anime. And Gambare is one in it. And it comes up in here and stains like the soul of a hero exists only for the sake of others. And if a God falls to earth and is given the frail soul of a mortal. And so he's like, now he's kind of showing his hand. Uh, and, and this is another thing too. Uh, stain is, talking about what Bakugo is constantly um, accusing Midoriya of. You know, Midoriya is always consumed with everybody else. 
And so Stain is like, that's what the soul of a hero is. It, it exists for everybody else. But uh, he kind of shows his cards now um, and All Might picks up on it. He's like, you knew this whole time that I was me? And I love Stain's response. He was like, I do not know you. Uh, in the manga, he says, I don't presume to know who you are. But if you are a true hero, then use this information. And he tosses this knife, sticks it in the cement, um, uh, and uh, there are some pages uh, underneath it. He says, use this information, and then, he says, come and end me, who has killed 40 heroes. And so he totally knows at this point, because the only person that he would ever allow to kill him was All Might. He said that yep. forever. Yeah. And and so he says, so come for the life of Stain, the man who murdered 40 heroes, all for the sake of fixing this society. And I love that. Um, God, it's it's so good. Stain is, is utilized so well here, um, reintroduced here. It's so... So, 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 so good. It is. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, even just hearing you retell it, I'm like getting the chills. It's like, gosh, this was so <laughs> well done. I really liked it a lot. And, and as like Stain is, is, you know, leaving the scene, he's left All Might to see this woman that's finishing up this job. And, you know, she's looking up into the sky before the scene transitions here and the rain stops. And it's like, Almost this symbology of like, okay, cool. So All Might's got his head screwed back on right. The <laughs> world's going to get better, gonna, you know. <laughs> I'm going to stop it. I'm going to let you finish. Have you ever seen um, Boondock Saints? No, I haven't. I still haven't. This is a conversation. What? We've had this before. Yes, I've not seen that movie. Okay, so in that movie, I think I, if I brought it up to you before, then it's because you you said symbology <laughs> before. Yeah. Because it's like a whole conversation point in the movie where, it's, where this guy's like, what's the symbology here? And Willem Dafoe's character is like, symbolism. Symbolism, yeah. Symbolism is the way. <laughs> oh, I love it. Symbology. Yes. Gosh, I'm glad yeah. you said that. I didn't even catch it. Well, I got it. It's fun. Uh, but yeah, I, I do. I, I did appreciate that symbolism, too, where she says it looks like the rain is finally letting up. And, and it's almost like the environment is um, a portent of uh, the things to come, an oracle of things to come. OK, so we transition from this incredible scene with All Might and Stain to this wildly unexpected scene of all the dudes in 1A stripping Midoriya and bathing him. It just caught me off guard. I don't know. I'd never expected this. And I know that like they had said like, Hey, just come back and take a bath. But I don't know. I didn't expect this scene. This really caught me off guard. It's a good scene, it's, but it was just like, it is a okay, then. whole production. Yeah. This bath time is quite the production and it's hilarious. And there's actually a couple uh, of really good moments in it. Like I'll let you continue on, but there was one moment in particular that I was like, what a weird setting to have this conversation, but I'm glad they had it. <laughs> well, you know, uh, communal baths are, not uncommon in Japan. It's a, it's a, it's a very foreign concept. I would guess to most Americans that That's are listening. That's true. That's fair to this. Um, but yeah, it's it's hilarious. Like you've got uh, Sato, Kirishima, Kaminari, Mineta, Ojiro, uh, Saro. They're all like running Mid uh, Midoriya, and they they strip off his clothes and they're spraying him down and slamming him. Like there's this hilarious scene. It's in the manga too, where Mineta has got a hold of Midoriya's feet. It is just like plunging him beneath the uh, the <laughs> waters. It's freaking hilarious. And then eventually, once they get him in the water, uh, they're like, "Well, most things in the world can be solved by a good bath." And they all seem content. But then Bakugo rolls up on the scene, and he's yelling that Deku is just dirtying the bath water, and that he should have been scrubbed off with steel wool and an industrial strength detergent first. Yeah. And what's freaking hilarious? There are two things that I that I liked about this. One of them was evident in the anime, and one of them was 
if it was in the anime, I don't remember it. But when he stands up, when Bakugo is, uh, he, I mean, he's naked. He's uh, like tastefully obscured by the steam of the bath, right? But he's he's facing us, and you can actually see the marks from the crimson speary things from Shigaraki on him. Um, so his scars are evident for that uh, the wounds that he took for Midoriya in the last battle. But in the manga, uh, it's funny because the steam from the bath, it looks like, you know, I don't speak or read Japanese, but it looks like the mist spells the word ding dong. And it's like (laughs) in English, as it's obscuring his crotch, it says ding dong beneath what looks to be kanji, uh, which is a a really funny touch. That is. Yeah, man, that is really funny. He cannonballs into the bath and, and he's explaining to everybody, listen, I haven't given up on being number one. Everyone's still my rival, including you. And he's in the anime. I like how they deliver this better than the uh, manga because he says, including you, debt. And he like starts to say Deku and then he corrects himself and he says Izuku. And I like that. Like I liked it, too. De- yeah, there's course correction there yeah. in the in the manga. It's almost hyphenated. He's like Deku hyphen like there might have been a pause, but he definitely gets all of Deku out before he course corrects to um Izuku. I like this a lot. I mean, this is like we know that Midoriya has taken on the name Deku and really shaped it, but that never stopped being an insult from from Bakugo, you know. And so in this moment, it's like him really owing up to that apology. You know, there's this whole concept of you can say you're sorry all you want, but if you keep doing whatever it is you're sorry for, you're not really sorry for it. And this is Bakugo mm-hmm. owning his apology. Like he's he's owned up to it. He said he's sorry and he means it. And this is further proof, and I love that. Yeah, and we uh, we finished with that scene if after some threats of people saying like, well, um, if you he's like somebody says still that desire to improve is a good thing, right? Well, let's just use this chance to beat Bakugo as an own, at his own game, and everybody's like, what chance do you have for that? Yeah, I'm um, pretty sure it's Mineta. Mineta's <laughs> so like, hey, let's use this yeah. chance to dunk him with water, and Bakugo is like, what chance? Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> it. Yeah, yeah, like they see this moment of what they would consider to be weakness in Bakugo, and they're like, let's exploit this, and Bakugo snaps back to his his usual self, and then we're whisked off to uh, the dorms, the one A dorms, and Deku's asking where Ochako is, and we get this scene, and there's this. I mean, lovely detail about Ochako while she sleeps. Did you notice that she wears gloves while she sleeps? Yeah, I did. And I'm guessing it's because she doesn't want to accidentally touch things, make them float all over the place, right? Yeah, yeah. that makes all of the sense. Yeah. And this is the first time I think that we've seen that detail. So I really like that. If I if it's happened before, I don't recall seeing it. Um, but yeah, we, we get this this brief cutaway of Ochako and she's like drooling and has oven mitts basically on her hands. Like Mickey Mouse gloves. And <laughs> yeah. Midori is apologizing for all the trouble, but he gets just as readily chastised for not telling everybody at one fall, uh, about one for all earlier. And so Ojiro's great. There's this whole conversation that takes place um, in rapid succession where Ojiro's like, well, going from quirkless to having a super strong power must have been tough. And Sarah's like, well, anyone else's bones would have been breaking left and right. But in the in the manga, it's just like. Sarah says it's literally bone breaking as we know, because in the anime, it makes it sound like, well, yeah, people would have broken bones in, in the manga. It's just like, no, yeah, we saw that. Yeah, I did not like <laughs> the know? way they phrased that in the anime. I was actually going to I noted in here to ask you about the translation there, because in the anime, it definitely is just like, ha ha, like, well, there's no way, like no correlation that that's what was happening to you. But like, dude, you literally right. watched him use the quirk and it break his finger or his arms or his legs over and over and over. How did you not put two and two together there? You know? 
Yeah, and the manga, Sarah says, literally bone-breaking yeah, as we I know. like that better. I like that a lot better. And uh, Ojiro asks what having one for all feels like, but before he can answer, Todoroki suggests that Midori get some sleep, which is like the whole point of him being at U- yeah. UA. Yeah. And this is where we begin this like really funny um, like shtick between Mineta and Todoroki. Oh, man, this is this is some peak comedy um, where Mineta is just like, do you just walk in looking like that? And he starts <laughs> mocking Todoroki throughout the rest of this episode. And it's so good. This is Mineta utilized extremely well without without like coming close to crossing lines. Like the, the, just the absolute perversity. Is that a word? I'm going to make it up stuff now. I can say symbology. I'll say perversity of Mineta. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. But Midori explains, you know, he's like, I can't sleep because I acted horribly towards All Might and I haven't been able to apologize to him yet. And then uh, Toads points out that All Might has been creeping on them at the window. Oh my gosh, I <laughs> like love this. this. It had me cracking up. Like the second time I watched <laughs> the episode to take notes, this had me in stitches again. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, and he all might basically enters the building and literally is just apologizing, you know, that he wasn't able to help Midoriya and he feels so bad about this. And Ashido cuts him off and is just like, hey, no, shut up. Listen, you owe us an apology as well. Like, you should not be running off without saying anything to anybody. Like, you're our teacher too. And and I kind of liked this. Like, we really only get exposed to this All Might Midoriya dynamic. But All Might was also there for the rest of 1A to some extent as well. And some of these other students. Like, students had this connection with him. And I think they're aware that Midoriya used All Might to get those letters to him. So they feel kind of like, hey, you guys kind of betrayed us in a weird way. Like, you both owe us an apology. Yeah, well, they're aware. I think that they had sussed out... um that All Might had to have been the one that delivered Midori's letters. letters. Yeah. yeah, so they feel betrayed equally by him as well, even if not just from the, well, you were a student and a mentor, or a, a teacher and a mentor, and you you disappeared, but also like you were com- you were complacent, complacent in, this. in all yeah, of this. Yeah, exactly. Um, and he kind of continues on and explaining that like in his mind he was no longer an active hero, but Stain has changed that, and he's going to be fighting even if he has to crawl on the ground. And he says that he's got some additional info, and I'm hoping that they will have answers soon on kind of what this all means. But he does indicate like we're going to need literally everybody on the situation from here on out, including me with my limited body. And Midoriya gets a quick second in to thank him for the pork cutlets and says, you know, like, hey, that really helped me a lot. And I'm sure that the reason that I ended up in such a negative place was because I distanced myself from you. And I'm really sorry for that. And Ida's in the background just like, aha, let's protect everyone. I felt like it was such a weird, (laughs) inappropriate moment. Like, God, just let that lie. (laughs) But I love what All Might thinks to himself, where he says, I'll show that I can catch up to these kids. Yeah, And, you know, that he sees... For for them, it's all about them catching up to him or aspiring to the the lofty heights that he set as an active hero. And now he feels like those roles are reversed and not just by, I would argue that he sees it not just by way of him not having the the full expression of one for all within him anymore, but just that these, these students, what, they're, they're still first years, um, that they have progressed and grown so quickly and that together they are, it's it's the sum is greater, you know, the total is greater than the sum of its parts. Like he's seeing something in all of them that is greater than he by himself, even at max power ever was, or possibly even ever could be. Yeah. Well, he leaves uh, Class 1A behind and he is basically going to go meet up with Endeavor and everyone else to catch them up on this information from Stain. 
And Tokoyami is just kind of like, hey, could you maybe tell Hawks to text me back? Like, I'm worried about this guy. What? And I feel really bad for Tokoyami because everyone else has kind of had the moment to reconnect with their mentors. And Tokoyami has it. <laughs> Except him. Yeah, and he really yeah. looks up to Hawks. And we know there's this whole background between him and Hawks. And Hawks kind of just like, I'm going to say sort of abandoning him, you know, like taking him under his wing and just being like, yeah, you're good, man. You go do your thing. Uh, so I don't know. I felt bad for Tokoyami here. But Sato mentions... Angry Yami. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's great. Sato. You mad or something? That's what Mina says. And she's like, she calls him angry Yami. I thought that was good. Yeah. Sato mentions here too. He's just like, uh, so Endeavor is not going to come back to UA, huh? And Sh- uh, Shoto is just like, well, yeah, man, seeing him will just make everybody think of Dobby, which we really don't want, which I guess is kind of that hand waving I mentioned earlier, why he was turtling it up, as you mentioned, uh, when he entered UA. Like, just the sight of him pisses people off because of Dobby. I don't know. That felt like such a weird thing. Like, I understand that the crowd's upset with him, but he's also kind of one of the only folks that they've got. <laughs> so, right. you know, uh, that, I don't know. That just kind of cracks me up a bit. Um, but you know, he's continuing on to say that it's not like everyone has changed their mind on the heroes, that there are some folks out there that are not allies and could, I guess, potentially try to run them out. And as Dobby's brother and Endeavor's son, he's sure that there are people out there that are uneasy about him, like being in the school, which Kirishima is, you know, hits the nail on the head. He's just like, man, that sucks. You didn't do anything. You're just related to him. Yeah. And, and he expl- like Todoroki's like, well, yeah, but I, I did do something like I was so obsessed with my bloodline that I lost sight of my origin. But he makes this he makes this promise, this declaration similar to what. Enji Todoroki has been doing where he's like, but it's going to be different now. Yeah. You know, like we're um, moving I'm going to prove it. Yeah. And and, he, and he's going to prove it so that everyone can be at ease. So now he, he and his dad's paths are parallel um, in, in an interesting way. And uh, I thought this was great because uh, Kirishima was like, you're so manly. And n- now I'm crying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like the one student who's so obsessed, like with being manly is now crying. Yeah, I love um, it. And uh, Jiro now speaks up, best girl. And she's like, well, if all of the evacuees aren't our allies, huh? And she kind of reels Tokoyami and Momo and Kaminari in with her uh, her extended lobe things. And she's like, it's weird to put these things on the same level. But during the school fest, there were a lot of people who were uneasy about us. And we wanted them to be reassured and laugh. And so we thought about what we could do. And now she, like, and even in the anime, this is great. She actually cuffs Bakugo. She, like, grabs him by the back, like, the scruff of his shirt, basically, and drags him over towards her, which is just bold. And I love it. Yeah. This is why she's best girl. Yeah. But she says, uh, like, what we did back then, let's do what we can with everything that we've got. We did it once already. And in my notes, I just have Hero 2-2. Two, two, uh, because <laughs> the follow-up. I would love to see that. Yeah. 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 Hero 2, the sequel. Um, I would totally be like, like I am on record as saying that I really am not a fan of musical things, but Hero 2 is a freaking bop and I will defend that to the day I die. <laughs> um, but yeah, Todoroki's like, yeah, you're probably right. And then Mineta does this little mocking thing again. And I think it's Saro like slaps his head balls. Yes, it was such a funny, like I did not pick <laughs> up on the fact that Mineta was was messing around with Shoto. Like I don't think I realized that until you mentioned it specifically. But now I'm reading my notes and I'm like, oh my god, that is what was happening. But I did. Yeah, note, he's totally mocking. Yeah, like at some point in time, someone just smacked Mineta's balls, and I and I remember in my mind just being like, man, his head that balls. Was, we need to be explicit. Okay, fair enough. His head balls. <laughs> it was just such a weird thing. Like just I don't know that one scene out of context is so strange. <laughs> yeah, but I love how Jiro explains. She says we don't want to just get things back. 
We want to make things better than before. And she says we could do this all together. And that goes all the way back for years on this podcast. I've been talking. Oh, by the way, like happy anniversary. I think that's a thing now. Oh, is it? Um, <laughs> yeah, I keep forgetting. I think our one year anniversary was less than two weeks ago. You um, mean like four year anniversary? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, for years, I've talked about how hero comics often it's all about just getting things back to the way things were to the status quo instead of actually making improvements and Jiro here that that's even been the language in this comic it's been like well can you get things back to the way they were and Jiro because she's best girl is just like yeah we're gonna do better than that yeah and, and the, the the consistent language even from Midoriya in the in the last episode was together we're gonna get we're gonna get things back to the way they were and Jiro's like no nah, not good enough we need to do better than that and I I like that it 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 indicates progress, not just restoration, but progress. And and that's what Stain has been striving for all this time in his own unique way. Um, and, and that's what really society needs. I love, too, the way that you have to append that. Like, in his own unique way, Stain was killing people. Well, yeah. I mean, he he says it himself. Yeah. He's like, you know, what I, I did the thing. Yeah. Uh, and, and we get to see in, in his uh, his little back, uh, his his flashback here shortly, that he's, he's aware that... His mo is nefarious. Oh yeah, but he's he sees that the ends justify the means, and not everybody's going to share that perspective with him. And he's fine. He's just like, if you if you don't believe that the ends justify or that the means justify the end, then kill me. And and that's what he actually explicitly invites All Might to do at the end of the last. Well, episode. and I would say that there's got to be some small voice in the back of his mind that's like, you know, they've not sicked All Might on me yet. That's saying a <laughs> right. lot in of itself, right? Because like at any moment, someone could have picked up that phone and been like, hey, All Might, you got to deal with this. <laughs> they didn't. 40 heroes. There's some part of me that wonders if, uh, you know, the group that was over Nagant and Hawks was watching Stain and they were like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, you just do your thing. Like, you, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, they were going to sick their wait, We don't have on to them. They pay need... him? Cool. <laughs> right. And he was just was a villain, yeah. you know, uh, as far as society like, was concerned. No cover anyway. up needed. Yeah, I don't know. Like there had to have been some behind the like door conversations about staying where they were just like, we give this guy two thumbs up. No tax dollars exhausted. Yeah. You know? yeah. Um, Stain, Stain really was the hero of the people on more than one front, <laughs> if you think about it he that really way. He was, right? But anyways, we, we transition over to Endeavor flying around up above Hawks and uh, Best Genus below and the Best Genus Mobile. And Hawks is explaining that like between their research that they did and Garaki's truth behind a polygraph test, on top of all of the assassins that Deku took out, it sounds like it really should take about two months for a human to rest from what Shigaraki went through and where he was at. So in that case, all for one would want to get one for all before that two month time frame. No matter his intentions, like two months after Tartarus gives them about one month to make the first move on uh, all for one and Shigaraki, or at least they were hoping so. However, the information that Stain gave them contra contradicts all of that entirely. And we, we get a little bit more info. There's a couple of flashbacks here in between, but to, to get ahead of it effectively, they have realized that the birthing or finishing of Shigaraki's body will actually be in about three days, which is like way upping that timeline and absolutely insane. 
And we we get this continuation, this explanation or flashback to Tartarus where we actually see Stain like escaping with this information. And it's pretty nuts because Tartarus is on fire. We see this guy that's like crazed about women just running down the hallway talking about how he can't <laughs> wait to get back to women again. And Stain just I kills I listed him. in my notes as the horny harem wanting villain. Yes, yeah. Like, I mean, that's the only information we get about him. And we, we get this awesome scene of Stain just striking him down. And, yeah, like, he just kills just kills him he's like yeah this guy's not getting back into society um and he like stain himself is trying to figure out what in the world is going on and he's like okay i need some kind of information and i love that about stain he's so tactical like he wasn't worried about escaping or getting a weapon he needed info he needed to know what was happening and how tartarus was being burnt down and uh he finds the security room where this guard there's like three or four that are, are dead on the ground all of them clutching weapons except for this one he's clutching a box and he's like, okay, that's got to be something important. Why does this guy not have a weapon? So he tries to take the box, but the guard completely resists and recognizes him. And it's just like, no way I'm giving this to you. It's way too important. And at that point, obviously, Stane realizes it's something he needs. He pulls it, opens it up, and it looks to be some like memory chips. And this guy starts to question Stane's intent. It's just like, hey, you can't take that. Like, who are you? You know, he says, are you a man or a beast? And Stain replies with a beast who is on the side of a just world. And I thought that was a really cool answer there. Because it's like, yeah, man, I am a beast, but I'm I'm doing something no one else is willing to do. Smacks up the Punisher. Yeah, it's very, very Punishery. And uh, at this point, you know, Stain is saying, like, I don't know what that unnamed man was trying to protect with his last breaths or how much it was worth. Stain is realizing that, you know, this this object that this guy has got has got something worth information, something that is worth needing to give over to someone. And the only person he would trust with that is All Might. So he's immediately like from the exit of Tartarus on the mission to find All Might. And I thought that was kind of neat. It kind of clues us in on like what he was doing out in that city and how and why he tracked All Might down specifically. And it makes me think he had to have known that was All Might before he approached him earlier. He in does the a bit. So both in the anime and the manga, we get this like it's a panel in the manga. It's a couple seconds in the anime where he's walking by and he's kind of uh, the background to his walk is uh, like newspaper clippings of things like All Might's retirement, Endeavor advances to yeah. number one hero. So like he he definitely catches, he, he gets the gist, of, uh, even if not the specifics, he definitely is aware of some things even before he bumps into uh, Jinko Jean's All And Might. I mean, like he even saw that whole scene between All Might and Midoriya. That had to have keyed him in as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we know that he was eavesdropping on the two of them. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he, he's he's not a dummy like he pieces some things together. We, we see in this episode in particular in this in this flashback, his desire to have information like he's not he's not running around half cocked like no. he's he's not targeting heroes just because he gets the feeling, you know, he intuits that they aren't the kind of hero that he wants them to be like he I, I get the feeling, especially after seeing these, that he's. He's somebody that is very diligent in in what he does because he believes in its end. So he doesn't want to haphazardly arrive at that end. He feels like he has to have like a surgeon's precision in in its pursuit. Yeah, it reminds me a lot of uh, the Punisher. Like what you said earlier. Now that now that I'm thinking about it that way, it is a pretty good connection. Just how intricate he is with his decisions like that. Yeah, we catch up with the ragged looking Sukauchi and Sansa. Man, I didn't even all recognize like Sukauchi. 
It like it threw yeah. me off. I, it's the facial it hair. It's totally the facial hair. It, it really <laughs> threw me off because I was like, "Who is this guy talking?" And then I was like, "Oh my gosh, that's got to be Sukuachi. It can't be anybody else." Yeah, it it totally has to be. Especially, be, I think Sansa as like, I mean, he's more than a background character in this. It's like a piece of the environment, but he definitely helps visually clue you in that this is Sukuachi. Yeah, because it would be weird for All Might to just talk to Sansa and not be talking to Sukuachi as well. Yeah, <laughs> right. And I, Sukauchi is having regrets that they're basically having to be saved by a murderer. And I'm, I just have on my notes, gift gift horses and mouths. Yeah, like, yeah, no joke. Come on, bro. Like, if he didn't give you that information, you guys would all be dead. You'd have no no idea what even hit you. Yeah, and so there's this discussion takes place where All Might, he's like, okay, so here's this information, but one thing's bothering me about it, which is that we shouldn't have been able to see this data. Like the information contains the reason for the system failure, which is radio waves, but they were used inside and out. And so Sansa's like, so they were like synchronized and all might says, well, if that, if that's the case, then like it's a lot more synchronized than what I've experienced. He says his, he shared his thoughts through the consciousness inside his quirk. And I've had something similar with one for all. The problem is it doesn't go both ways. And I love, there's this scene in the anime, it's it's so great, where Sansa's like, which means, and he like cocks his head like a curious animal, <laughs> yeah, like, like a cat, a cat would. would. Yeah, it's so great. He was great. missing uh, a, in uh, all... a tactical bell, by the way. I don't know if you noticed that or not. Yeah, he ha- no, he had a bell on. Did he? I thought he didn't have one. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. So no, he does he, have yeah, a Yeah, he's totally bell up. It might not be tactical, like it's not hey, black. Hey, I mean, if he's, if he's in a tactical um, suit and he's wearing a bell, it's a tactical yeah, bell. Yeah, yeah. But All Might says, my thoughts are synchronized with my consciousness inside of one for all, but I'd never experienced it working the other way around. So only one time was that even remotely different is when I was like touching Midoriya and I could feel what my consciousness was feeling. But even if All for One has a higher synchronization rate, how in the world did he do that from 500 meters below? And Sansa pitches this thing about twins, but Sukauchi's like, it's the radio waves, man. Yeah. Like, if they both have this quirk, then radio waves are capable of not only being sent, but received. And we get informed that they had already analyzed these waves and been able, they were able to decipher what they say. And one of the things that is discovered is that it will be completed in what, what was communicated was that Shigaraki's completion will be done in 38 days. Yeah. And so if that's the real schedule, then they only have three days, not another month, which is hairy to say the least. I thought the way they revealed this information was so strange, too, because they clearly had that that communication line there. And to get to it, they had to jump through like seven hoops. Like, why was why was Sansa like like I feel like it was uh, Sukuauchi that was like, oh, yeah, we analyzed those radio waves and they looked like conversations. And then Sansa was like, oh, well, didn't we analyze that? What did it say? And it's like, oh my God, you had the answer of what it said the whole time? Why did you even have the last 10 minutes of conversation? I don't know. It just felt really like jarring, like almost like, okay, I need to get out some kind of explanation to how this happened, probably because fans were pissed and said it didn't make sense or something, you know? I don't know. It just felt weird otherwise. I agree wholeheartedly. If if they were sitting on that information... Shame yeah, why, why wasn't Sukauchi just that like... That seems to be what they actually did. Yeah, like, from the get-go, All Might walked through the doors and was like, hey, what's the situation? And Sukauchi would have been like, well, they used radio waves, and they can probably interpret them, and this is what it said. Instead of this whole conversation, it, I don't know, it was just so strange. Well, <laughs> and even that would have been... 
it should have been better communicated that they literally just finished that. Like somebody should have rushed in and been like, hey, we finally decoded yeah. this. Sukauchi and Sansa made it, or Sukauchi at least. Sansa was the one who was asking, do we finally get that stuff interpreted? Uh, like, uh, uh, yeah, and Sukauchi was just like, yeah, you big dodo. Did you not get the memo? Yeah. Like, I don't know. It felt like. <laughs> you didn't it, get the memo? That's it felt right. Like, uh, like Police in, uh, force wide memo. I think it was The Office where Michael Scott's just like, uh, me no get memo, you know? And uh, I mean, it, yeah. it was just so weird. Uh, I thought that was so strange. Oh, man. So I think I told you previously that there were a couple of spoilers that I had for the the future of the franchise. Yeah. One of them was Lady Nagant, just that her name and that she had a gun quirk. The other one is Stars and Stripes, which is who we get introduced to here. Nice. So we get this scene um, where the it's like UNHQ and All Might has officially petitioned them to deploy... Uh, heroes from other uh, other and countries bypass the paper and everybody's work, talking basically. about yeah, yeah everybody this is great so uh, i have in my notes all my is requesting for them to be deployed tomorrow which is the heroes from other countries and they're talking about how impossible it is and i was just like hashtag government. yeah yeah like <laughs> of course it's impossible because it's being governed too tightly just freaking let the guys go they do Talk about how, uh, the, you know, basically a country's strength is measured by a domestic presence of heroes. So if they send all their, you know, heavy hitters off, then the equilibrium gets upset. But each country is being overrun domestically. So they're like, that's already happening. The equilibrium is already offset because of what's taking place in Japan. So you would think that somebody would be like, well, maybe if we squash this thing over there, we'll send a message to everybody else who thinks... Well, if it can happen there, then we can do it here and say, well, no, we squashed it over there. So your chances are smaller or non-existent because the countries are all in this together instead of like country islands, basically. Um, So the villains are seeing this as a perceived opportunity. They're saying if this can happen in Japan, it can happen anywhere. Well, and and like they throw Um, in this message, too, that apparently Interpol already has information that All for One has people waiting and ready in each individual country as well. So like just waiting for like the hit the big green light and they're just going to take over. Which makes sense. He's yeah. been around for a long time. Like, that follows. Yeah, totally. And so Egypt is talking about how their hero, Salam, is raving that he's going to go after All for One. And some other country is like, our big red dot feels the same way. And he's like this lion dude. Yeah. And then uh, whoever is the U.S. representative, all these people are in shadows. We don't see any. Like, they're even worse off than the people who were at the HQ during the, the big heroes strike against uh, the villa in the hospital yeah. where they didn't have, like, eyeballs and mouths or whatever. Yeah, these are literally <laughs> These guys shadows. are just silhouettes. silhouettes yeah. 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 And uh, he, he just sheepishly, like, you could see sweat <laughs> I love on him, this. like, beating up oh, on him. And he's just like, uh, oh, oh. yeah, ours already yeah, left. <laughs> yeah, about that. <laughs> that was such a great moment. I love that. So we see 12 Blackbird jets, and there's a figure standing atop the lead one. And they're, they're, she's basically like, well, well, you know, I'll be going either way. It's just a matter of wind. And this is All Might is requesting directly. And my master is in trouble. So I'm going. And she's introduced as the number one American hero. Uh, and so that's all we get from season six is um, her standing triumphantly like atop this blackbird. Yeah, she's impressive. And she's pre- yeah. Make it, yeah. She's super buff. Yeah. Like she's massive. Um, so I that's all I know. I just know her name and that she or originates from USA. I have no idea what her quirk is. Maybe she's just super strong. I doubt that it's just that. There's got to be something. Well, more. and I love the um, fact that All Might was her master. That's a whole new little tidbit we didn't have before. Like, I don't think I realized that All Might had trained other people. 
Yeah, me neither. Um, so there's there's layers yeah, to all that's going so on cool. here. It's super so great. Cool. But then we we transition to like a scary moment though, because it's all for one plaguing Midoriya's dreams, and he's like waking up with Black Whip extending from his hand, almost attacking one A. Ochako's sitting right there. It reminded me of. Um, Do you ever see like the? I think it's the first Mortal Kombat movie where like Liu Kang is having the dream of oh, Shang Tsung yeah. like holding his lung, younger brother. He's just like, "You are next." Yeah, yeah. And he, the little guys, and so he wakes up in a sweat. Or it's like from X Two, where Wolverine wakes up, and I think he stags. He stabs he Rogue, Rogue in the first because one. yeah, yeah. Um, is it the first? Yeah, one? Yeah, he stabs Rogue in the first. It might one be for sure. Yeah, and she she has to like use his power, touch him to use yeah. his healing. Yeah, gosh, yeah, it's so yeah. Good. That's that's what the scene looked like. So he deploys Black Whip, somewhat menacingly, like not really. It wasn't all that threatening, but um, it is cool to just note that he ended up like they he fell asleep in a previous scene, um, and they just let him stay there. Like they didn't disturb him. They didn't whisk him off to his room. They were just like, let the boy sleep. That's what he's here to do. And yeah, I, like I didn't though because it's like, dude, you guys brought him back to rest, like propped up on a couch like that. Screw you guys. He deserves a bed. He's been sleeping in the streets for a month. Boy, I don't know. I get some of my best sleep on a couch, even on a recliner. Man, <laughs> I I don't know. I I was frustrated. He should have been in his room, like in his his spot. But hey, whatever. And we kind of close this episode in the season with Midoriya saying the final battle draws near, but I'm not scared because everyone from class A is with me. So my friends are with me. We'll get it all back together. People smiles, everything. And we'll move forward, overcoming despair and going beyond. And that's, that's, uh, that's, that's credits on season six, man. So good. I have no idea. Is season seven like, uh, okay, let me look. No Um, way. Season seven is like the finale. We've got at least two more seasons, I would guess. Well, we're in, we just wrapped chapter 328. Like this basically ends in 328. Um, There are, the current manga is up to, I'm trying to scroll up without it just closing the uh, the window on me because the Shonen Jump thing is a little, a little persnickety sometimes. So they're up to 384 uh, chapters. So, I mean, there ain't a whole bunch of ground. That's about a season because each episode is like two and a half or three episodes um, or three two and a half or three chapters so um the the discord seems to think that we'll get more than a season like probably two but we've already like verbally i'm pretty sure multiple times in this season even in these two episodes they've basically been like yep this is it yeah (laughs) you know the thing the thing's about to end yeah no they really have uh there's been several times where it's kind of just been like okay this is the finale or this is the final chapter but i still think we have a lot of loose ends out there so I'm super, super excited to see what these new heroes bring uh, to the situation because, you know, we're going to get to see some really cool stuff here. Some cool quirks, I bet. We're going to get some awesome new personalities. Um, I wonder if if 1B will ever become like uh, a, a more prominent in the show again. You know, we had that whole season where we spent time training with them. They better they show back up. have to. They have to. <laughs> <laughs> I stand on that hill firmly and defiantly. They've got to play a larger role. We've seen a couple of them um, showcased in the assault, um, but they there's got to be more than that. For as much showcasing as they did in whatever season four or five, when it was like one A versus one B, um, th- they've they've got to feature more prominently in the future. I demand it. Yeah, no way, um, no way. Horikoshi. That whole bit was a MacGuffin, <laughs> basically, just to introduce Black Whip. No, I mean it. It 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 did more than that. It wasn't just the deployment of that particular quirk. It was also, 
you know, getting those, the, the, the both classes, really 1A and 1B, to, to think more about working in conjunction with other heroes in a combat situation. And, and that came up for certain. Yeah, that's in this last um, big event. It played a huge role in yeah. being prepared for something like this. But I'm hoping that the individuals of class 1B um, play larger roles going forward, that it isn't just, it isn't just that, that larger theme that like, Hey, work together and yeah. stuff like that. There's something more. I mean, surely that. we're going to get Shiketsu high involved in this next season with how much it's been brought up. And the fact that it's connected to UA, we've even seen some of the other schools, kids like trying to get some of these evacuees rounded up. So they're going to be making right. another big play. I would imagine. Yeah. I mean, I would, I would guess at least that Yarashi would come yeah. back in because they've talked about how powerful he is. Um, Man, I would hate it if he didn't. There are some really cool, like, you know, kids from those other classes that I thought had neat quirks and just cool personalities. Like, I, I'm hoping that we don't just abandon all those threads entirely. But man, I'm I'm excited right. to see more about the League of Villains. Like, we had a lot of loose threads there too that we need to really get tied up. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of huge showdown that is unresolved. With the, uh, the Todorokis, the Toad families, is going to unite. That's going to be nuts. Right, big uh, the yeah Dobby is unresolved. I mean, obviously we know that there's more manga lying yeah, ahead. Even yeah. though the anime has reached an end, there's sixty something chapters of of manga that has already been deployed, and it still isn't done yet. So we got um, a lot to come. Who knows? Like I'm sure that there are still some things unresolved come chapter three eighty something that uh, that current uh, manga readers are like, well, when are we going to see this done? Yeah, yeah. Gosh, I can't wait. Uh, very excited. Um... But I think that will bring us to a close. What are you most excited for this next season, Atkins? I want to see... I'm I'm hoping that we... Like, Stars and Stripes is going to be cool. Like, she's an American hero. I'd be curious to see some other heroes come in. It's just like... I think in the very first episode or two, I talked about how one of the biggest draws for an anime like this is just getting to see powers and how they're used creatively. And we've seen that with you know, the Japanese heroes over time and, and seen evolutions on that front with quirk, um, ev- evolutions appropriately enough. Um, but uh, introducing even newer folks, you know, bringing in star and stripes and whatever, whatever she does and any, anybody else that they might fly over, um, fingers crossed, you know, we, isn't Koichi in the U S well, I was, gonna, I was about <laughs> I to feel say like that's the thing. <laughs> like there's absolutely no way after having seen star and stripes that captain celebrity did not try to hook up with her at least once. I, we have to have some callback to that. Like, I would love to see Star and Stripes make a mention of Captain Celebrity in some form or fashion. That would be great. Either that she killed him or that she has uh, ongoing, uh, ongoing certain interactions between her and him <laughs> yeah. Yeah, are being litigated right now. I don't courts. know. I just I feel like there's got to be some references there that could be really great. And I know that they've not referenced Vigilantes at all, but I want it so bad. And that, what a great way to do it, even if it's just, you know, super light-handed, just to have them reference some other American heroes that, you know, they've uh, they've had to save from Japan before or something like that. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of potential for the narrative going forward, and um, it's the, the biggest bummer about being current, I mean, current-ish, because we're behind a little bit because of life stuff, but uh, being current with the anime, or current-ish with the anime, is that now we have to wait. Like, earlier on when we started this podcast, we could just you know bulldoze on ahead to the next couple episodes but now we're 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 like the general population you know we gotta wait unless we want to pick up the manga but that would be counter to uh the the whole approach to my hero that this podcast has so we shall wait and and wait we shall until season seven which i don't think a start date has been announced um 
I'm sh- it has been confirmed that it, there will be a season seven, obviously, to no one's surprise, but we don't know when yet. So um, during that inter uh, intervening time, uh, Adam and I have plans to uh, cover movie number three um, in the next couple weeks or so. Um, we still um, we're going to uh, hitch our wagons back with Mark of Hero Notes Pod and do some team up mission stuff. We still got, I think, three volumes of Smash that we could be covering. Um, we have an idea called My Hero Akamemia, um, which was actually coined. The, the title for it was coined by uh, Ein slash Jamie in the Discord. Uh, where it, that might be an episode, it might be a segment, we don't know. But um, if you have any My Hero Academia memes, um, tweet them to us at AlmightyPod on Twitter or uh, ping us in the Discord, and uh, we'll we'll kind of aggregate those and, and do uh, do them as segments over time or as a, a singular standalone episode, like a My Hero Academia meme review. That would be pretty fun. But before we get into any of that, um, in celebration of our fourth anniversary um we had a giveaway that we've been working on and in addition to just to, as a reminder to folks that are listening to us right now in addition to the card sleeves with custom uh almighty pod ca- uh, card sleeves we have the coasters from uh, ashley axe uh, ashley ashes um so the winner will get to customize like custom pick the cards that they get cast in these resin i bought some myself after she offered them i was like i want some um (laughs) so i bought some uh so you get those and i think i have a couple of spare like my hero academia stickers that we'll toss in there so so i've got these names on uh a little spinner and i'm gonna click the spin and we're gonna see who wins you ready i'm so excited this is gonna be awesome three two one go i'm spinning i'm recording this too i might drop the video in the discord but it looks like hey not ness (laughs) suck it ness um (laughs) It's Bookworm from the Discord. Ooh, that's who awesome. I, I think if if this is the same person that I think that it is, it's hilarious because they like DM'd me and they were like, so about this contest, and I was just like, well, you you have an entry even if you didn't want it. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so I will get in touch with Bookworm, and they are the winners of the card sleeves. They will uh, get to customize their coasters, get some stickers, all that fun stuff. Um, and again, we occasionally just give away free stuff because we like it and, uh, you know, you guys are liking us back. So that's, that's cool. It's a, uh, it's a mutually beneficial arrangement. Yes, I think. absolutely. We are super excited. That, that, that was such a great idea that you came up with. Someone else contributed to it. I mean, what an awesome thing to have happen. Yeah. To, uh, to all credit where it's due. Ness was actually the one who, uh, turned me on to the, uh, custom dragon shield. So, um, I know that he was probably the most excited to win them. Um, but you know, I'm a. Uh, I constantly harass Ness and also Ein slash Jamie in the Discord. So I, I genuinely love both of those guys. But uh, um, yeah, I'm, I am I'm also very I'm kind of I'm a little glad that uh, a new, yeah. somebody that's new to the Discord won this stuff. I think that's a cool thing as well. Ness has already won something from us. I'm pretty sure. I know um, Buster has before. So anyway, uh, so congratulations, bookworm. We don't mean to bury that under uh, <laughs> under a bunch of words. So I will be shipping those. I'll be getting in touch with you with, uh, you know, for shipping information. We'll get those to you ASAP. And then I will put you in contact with Ashley uh, so that she can get those coasters uh, ordered for you as well. Super cool prizes. Thanks you. Thank you for just, uh, you know, quote unquote playing just by saying, 
Hey, is yeah, there a yeah, contest we really going appreciate on? It. We appreciate yep. everyone out there that's want. listening and like hanging out with us in the Discord and on Twitter and everything. Like you guys are what makes this podcast keep ticking. So we appreciate it. Absolutely. And thank you too um to those of you who have stuck your head in on Age of Heroes. I know that uh I know a couple of you guys that are Familiar faces in the Almighty Pod Discord channel on Back Patio Network's Discord um, have popped in while I was playing, and that's that's fun. I don't see you chatting because my internet's not great, so I have to minimize as much stuff as I can. But um, if and if you're unfamiliar, like what the hell is Atkins talking about? Um, I'm playing uh, Dungeons and Dragons 5e with some other folks from the Back Patio Network. Uh, they stream it live on Twitch on Mondays generally at nine Eastern. I think we're going to take the next couple of weeks off. But uh, you can find them uh, Back Patio Network on YouTube, and you can see all the episodes. I think I hopped in on episode eighty-five, um, so you can like see my face and stuff, much to my dismay and, <laughs> and against all of my better wishes. And Adam is already wishing to exploit that for future episodes of uh, Almighty Podcast. Yeah, that would, so, uh, uh, would be a fun. Up, we'll see. We'll see what I can convince Atkins to get into. But that'll do us for episode 128. Thank you guys for tuning in, and hopefully we will uh, have something else to tickle your ears in a couple weeks' time. Yes, so be on the lookout to stay subscribed, and we'll see you in a couple weeks. See you guys.